Hi, this is Sedge Thompson. Welcome to this special audio highlights podcast from West Coast Live. For more information about our shows and other guests and podcasts, wcl.org. Will you please welcome Joe Gores to West Coast Live. How do you do? Nice to have you in. when you were speaking with Miss Winspear and you, she mentioned the iceberg effect, Ernest Hemingway once said, I know that so I can leave it out. <laughs> and I, I was, research, you've got to be that way. You leave it out if you know it. And Elmore Leonard said that, uh, you know, as was his secret writing, he says he, he leaves out the parts the readers skip. <laughs> God, I wish I knew what they were. <laughs> Well, I mean, you know, you know, Dashiell Hammett had a way, and, and and so do you in doing this. I mean, this prequel to the Maltese Falcon. I mean, you know, that's uh, quite a quite a book to say. I'm going to do the prequel. I'm yeah, going to talk about I was Miles Archer and Sam Spade. You're either, you're either nuts or gutsy, and I don't know which which <laughs> it is. Uh, it it started out with uh, um, a re- remark by. Uh, a Hammett scholar, he said that the Maltese Falcon is America's first existential novel. And I thought about that, and then I thought, yeah, we don't know anything about anybody. Yeah, Rick Lehman was, was the, is the scholar, and he's our best Hammett scholar. And uh, I thought, I've always wanted to know how did Sam Spade become Sam Spade? Because we don't know that from the Maltese Falcon. From the book, there's nothing. Every character there just appears full-blown, beautifully articulated, but we know nothing about where they came from, where they were born, how they got to, to this place in the book. You start out uh, in, of all places, Puget Sound. Yes. The guy getting off a boat that's now used as a jazz cruise boat, the Virginia Five. Is it really? I didn't yeah. know that. Yeah. See, my research was back then. Not. Uh, uh, yeah. So I I had met by chance uh, Hammett's surviving daughter, Joe Marshall, Joe Hammett Marshall, and uh, she lives in L.A. And I had written her in 1999. I wrote her and said, "I'd like to do a prequel to the Maltese Falcon," and uh, she wrote back and said, I don't want anybody to touch Sam Spade. I don't want anybody to do that. And so I forgot about it. Then in, in 04, the family was up here for a literary event, and Joe got me off in a corner, and she said, I don't know why I said no to you. <laughs> and she said, let's do a sequel to the Maltese Falcon. And I said, Joe, I can't do a sequel. And she said, why not? I said, they're all dead. Everybody's dead at the end of the book. The fat man, the, the gunsel, Joel Cairo. And so I said, but I'd like to do a prequel. And she said, okay, do it. And that's how it started. And uh, then I started the research. I'd written in, in 1975, I published a book named Hammett uh, with Dechelle Hammett returning to detective work after he had become a novelist, a writer. And uh, that tension between the two professions, both of which he loved, and I spent 12 years as a, as a private detective, and 
uh, Repo Man, <laughs> Skip Tracer. And when I started to write, I had that same tension. You, you know, and, and the two professions, detective and novelist, are quite similar in the sense that a detective goes into somebody's life and digs around in his garbage to find out who he is. A novelist creates a character, and then he goes into his life and digs around in his garbage to find out who he is. So uh, you're, you're, they are similar. And uh, I tried to, in, the, in this novel, I wanted to answer as many questions as I could uh, about the characters in the Maltese Falcon. So that's why I ended up starting up in Seattle and, you know, that. And when, and when you look out the window here at the ferry building, can you imagine a, a time of different ships and stevedores and a tough wharf scene? Oh, here? I mean, it's so, so, it's oh. so delicate nowadays, I, you know, know, with, with kumquats and, yeah, and I, melons. I, I, I was seeing that just walking up here today. And I know when I first came to San Francisco, uh, which was uh, 1953, the Bay Bridge was only cars on one level. The other level was they were putting in train tracks. And to get to Oakland, you still took the, the auto ferry. And uh, it was wonderful times. Ferries coming in and out with yeah. great frequency. Yeah. Stern wheelers, even. Yes. Still side wheelers. Just both stern and side, yeah. And uh, so it, it was very interesting to, to go back into Hammett's time and... Uh, research the most valuable tool I had for writing about 1920s was a Sears catalog <laughs> from 1927 because you find out everything clothes even kind of shotguns what kind of watches they wore um, who made bandages it, it, you just it's a wealth. <laughs> what, uh, but did you uh, come to understand why Sam Spade had yellowish eyes? No, I didn't. No. Maybe he's part lion. <laughs> I think he is. Um, yeah, things I put in the book that the, the people who really uh, know the era or, and love the, the novel would catch, and people who didn't wouldn't, and it didn't matter, but for those people who... So you, you mentioned Sam Spade was in World War I, at least I assumed he was, and uh, that Archer stole his girl while he was gone, and that's how he became intimate with Iva. Um, but when I put him into the war, I put him into a real company and and it was the company in which the real um, Raymond Chandler was an officer in in France so if somebody figures it knows that they say oh boy you know and uh, I wanted to answer the question when Archer is killed in the Maltese Falcon he's killed by a Webley Fosbury 38-millimeter automatic pistol, automatic revolver. And I thought, how would Sam Spade know this gun? Because he just says, 
oh yeah, Wesley, Fosbury, et cetera, they don't make them anymore. So I researched the gun and, and it ended up, that's why I made him a, a, an expert pistol shot because this, this particular weapon was so good in competition shooting that the, uh, it was banned. It was banned from shooting competitions. But when they took it to war, it jammed in combat. So only 300 of them were ever made. And so they're an extremely rare item. <laughs> what, uh, what sort of, sort of, uh, sort of psychic connection do you feel with, with Hammett? I mean, he was a private investigator for a while and, then a, and writer. Uh, you were a private investigator, repo man, yeah. uh, writer. I mean, There's, there is, uh, every time I walk down the street in a foggy day, I expect to see a Hammett character, you know, Sidney Greenstreet scuttling down the street holding a football-sized uh, package under his arm. A dingus. A dingus, a dingus, <laughs> yes. <laughs> um, when what, what, sorry. Go ahead. Oh, I, I was just wondering, what, what sort of things did you repossess? Cars, mainly. Yeah. I once repossessed a Chinese junk. How'd you do that? Uh, I just went out and took it. <laughs> Yeah, but where was the Chinese junk? Out in the bay, yeah. here. Yeah. yeah, somebody wasn't paying for it. I and did you board it in the night or something? Just went out and said, I'm taking the boat. <laughs> and then did you sail it or start the I engine? Had, I had a guy who took... Oh. oh, you just sort of, you had people take care of it? One guy, no, another guy and I went out and he knew how to sail the boat, so <laughs> he took it <laughs> and I watched. When you repossess an airplane, you take the propeller. Um, <laughs> then they, 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 can't, they can't fly away on you. <laughs> and uh, what other thing? I once repossessed the, uh, the, the instruments of a, of a jazz band. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry about that. <laughs> That's the first time I've heard that one. <laughs> yeah, well, what I did, I, uh, I, I talked to some Hells Angels who were selling, this was up in, near Eureka, who were selling stuff in the, you know, out in the bushes, selling a little dope. And uh, I paid them 100 bucks to, uh, when the band was on break and had gone off stage, <laughs> I paid these guys to start a fight out by the door of the, of, of the hall. And uh, so everybody was distracted. And then I had one angel and his mama and me. We just went up on stage and took the instruments and took them outside. So uh, I, was, I was reliefing the Eureka uh, agent of our company at that time. And because uh, somebody slammed a hood on his back and broke his back. And, um, and on that trip, I also repossessed. See how he dropped that line in? That's just kind of very Hammett and sort of Chandler-esque. <laughs> you know, by the way, somebody slammed, dropped a hood on his back, broke his back, and then he goes on with the story. <laughs> well, uh, I commiserate with the man. But, yeah. but anyway, the job has to get done. On that trip, I also repossessed the, the, the tires off a semi, a huge <laughs> truck. 
the guy wasn't paying for him, and he had a, he kept a Rottweiler in the in the cab, so you couldn't take the truck, and also the truck was paid for, but the tires weren't. <laughs> so um, I found a way to get the guy involved with the young ladies, so they were in a motel room, and uh, and then I I. Uh, I hired a guy who drove one of these huge um, tow trucks. And we just went over in the dead of the night, and he would jack up the car, the truck, the corner, you know. We would take those tires and then put blocks under it. So when the guy came out the next morning, there was his truck on blocks, and his tires were gone. And I have to tell one more story about that, <laughs> that time, that era, because there was a guy way, way out in the boondocks. And, the, and the, if you're a repo man, the, the tenet is, if you see it, you take it. You can't let somebody back you off. See, this gets back to our first guest, who, saw, who talked about, you know, you, know, you, you, you want to nail it down, and not all, things nail, not all things you have to pry up or nail down, you know? Yeah. If it isn't, you know. Yeah, yeah. So I went out uh, to this guy's place, and I had a repo order on his uh, television. And uh, he was sitting there. It, when, I, when I came up, he was a great big, huge guy, and I was scared stiff. But, but uh, he was sitting outside singing and drinking whiskey out of a bottle and strumming his guitar. And he was all alone. I told him I had to take the TV set and his sound system. And he said, you think I'm going to let you do that? And I said, yeah. And he said, yeah, take it. <laughs> and he helped me load it up. OK. <laughs> so when I, uh, he, you know, and we had a drink or two, and he was a nice guy, and you know. He's, his wife had left him, and he was devastated and fractured. When I got back to Eureka, there in the box was a repo order on his bedroom furniture. He'd stop paying for that. So I went back out, and he said, it's the furniture, isn't it? <laughs> I said, yeah. He said, well, let me help you load it up. Uh, then I got back and it was his truck that repo order on. These were all different clients. So I went back out. I said, it's the truck. <laughs> he said, okay. So I took the truck. When I got back to Eureka, it was, it was his living room set. So I used his truck to go out <laughs> and take his living room set. Poor guy. I know. And <laughs> he was this huge, rough guy, but he, he was just the sweetest man. And then he had nothing left. <laughs> there was no furniture. There was nothing. He has his guitar. And I got another repo order out of him, which was for his guitar. And I went out, and he was sitting on an apple box in the empty living room with a teenage boy sitting on another apple box, and he was teaching this kid how to play the guitar for $5 an hour. And uh, 
I came up and he said, it's the guitar? <laughs> I said, yeah, it's the guitar. Oh, hell, he says, here. I drove about a mile down the road and then I turned around and went back and I said, you weren't home. <laughs> so he kept his guitar anyway. <laughs> Joe Gores. Storyteller, and his newest is the prequel to Dashiell Hammett's The Maltese Falcon, Spade, and Archer. Thank you very much. Thank you very much for stopping by. Thank you. A journey back into San Francisco history. Classic. This is Edge Thompson. Thanks for listening to this podcast. Try out others from West Coast Live right here, and we look forward to having you in one of our audiences one day. For more information, wcl.org.